Time now to say good morning to our human potential and uh, parenting expert, uh, Nikki Bush. Nikki, of course, is an author as well as a speaker. Good morning, Nikki. Hello, you well today. <laughs> I am so well, and I'm just playing with our toy of the week while we speak, and you'll know why when I get to it at the end of the show. Well, <laughs> the, thing, the thing about <laughs> the toy you'll be reviewing um, is the fact that it is incredibly, incredibly fascinating and addictive. And uh, as even though you read up on it and you know find out how exactly it does what it does, experiencing it is something altogether different, and it really does not get old. It doesn't get old. So I don't blame not you at all. At all. Yeah. <laughs> so Nikki, today you're unpacking and looking at the power of scribbling and doodling for kids uh, of all ages, right? Those moments where they get to sit down, they got to scribble and play around. Um, no doubt also on our walls. Um, I still have an <laughs> ottoman that is marked by the <laughs> by, by the doodles of a then three-year-old child uh, in Koki, no less. So oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. oh yeah. So I've got something to remember that period by. But the the power of scribbling and doodling for kids. Tell us about that. Well, I love this topic. It, for me, it's completely fascinating the way it's linked to the foundations for handwriting. So what's in a scribble, mm. as well as tapping into your child's creativity and even stress release. And this would be for any age child. So let's start off with the, the handwriting side of things. You know, sure. we think that doodling, that scribbling is meaningless. Well, think again. So a child's scribbles are in fact the foundation for every alphabet in the world. And they all contain lines and shapes needed for decoding and writing. So if, if anybody sitting at home right now with a pen and paper or a pencil and paper, just get it out and do some scribbling and see what it feels like. And I really have not lost the plot here. I promise you. <laughs> you Convince actually, us. <laughs> if you actually take a letter of the alphabet, so mm. if you were to write or look at the letter A versus, for example, the letter B versus the letter K, mm-hmm. look at all the different curves and lines and angled lines in those letters. So the K has a vertical line, um, which is formed actually from a rectangle, and it's got two diagonal lines that are formed from a triangle, and the letter A has a vertical line down the one side, which is the side of a square, and it's got a curve from a circle. So when a child is scribbling, every single horizontal, vertical, diagonal, and curved line is practiced over and over and over again creating memory cells of the movement, which will become really useful in the development of handwriting later on. So that's Mm. how the brain works. You know, this is how a child myelinates the brain, how they wire their brain for what comes next. And we think that these scribbles are just kind of inane little time wasters. But actually, (laughs) the brain is just so damn brilliant, you know. It's incredible. And there are many, many stages 
of scribbling, which we can get into. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into that because, um, as you said, you quite often people think or parents think that the scribbling is inane and is meaningless. But um, you, as a proponent of uh, play, right, and free play as well, Nikki, you, yeah. you always maintain that there's no such thing as useless play and uh, it, it all goes towards a very important end goal, which is development, um, but even learning. So talk us through those stages of scribbling and doodling. What in the world are they? I love the fact that someone has studied this or people have studied this and studied this and are able to break this down for us. Uh, What are those stages? Yeah, absolutely. So it's progressive. And um, it starts off with scribbling with no parental interference from about a year of age. So if a one to two-year-old gets hold of one of those podgy crayons, um, they will scribble on pieces of paper. As you know, they might scribble on a wall. That's why you go and buy yourself that paint that is wipe cleanable today. <laughs> so kids actually have to learn where they can and cannot scribble. Sure. And do that, and that's part of learning boundaries. So they scribble with no parental interference from about a year. Then they start connecting hand movements to marks on paper intellectually mm. between 14 and 18 months. So that's all, that's like, look, this is how I can control this thing in my hand. So there's a little bit of a conscious connection there, and also bear in mind that up until about a year and a half, children don't have a huge amount of control between that shoulder girdle and what happens on the end of their hand, the yeah. fingers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is are these big movements. It's not the fine motor control. Then the, you go, they go to controlled scribbles where, and this is from 18 months to two years, where they, if you look at their scribbles, are making vertical and horizontal lines. It's not totally a mess. There are more controlled up and down and sideways movements. And from two to three years, if you actually examine a child's scribbles, those scribbles will include all 20 basic scribbles that you can get in the whole world in all languages Mm. will all be in a child's scribbles between two and three years of age. Then we're getting into the preschool years from three years and upwards. And now your child will have enough control of that arm and their hand and their fingers to start copying and drawing shapes. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a a much more controlled cognitive activity at this time. And then we start realizing if you have a preschool teacher who says, you know, all of this is the, the precursor to handwriting, but actually they don't tell you that what came in the previous year or two was also part of the same process. Then from about five years of age, they start isolating very specific lines and curves and repetitively copying and drawing them. So that's why when you've got a child in grade naught, grade one, and the teachers do these exercises where they have to repeat the same curve or the same zigzag line, line after line after line, mm-hmm. this is this repetition so that they get really strong at drawing that diagonal line so that when they move to, to write the letter K, they have control over the diagonal line or the horizontal or the vertical line. So that's five to seven years. From six to eight years, they will start putting various lines together. So they've been doing these lines in isolation in the classroom. Now they'll start putting them together to form letters of the alphabet. And from there on, 
79 years, they move to printed letters and then into cursive, combining even more lines and curves together. And what's really interesting about cursive handwriting is that cursive handwriting actually taps into the creative side of the brain where printing doesn't. Mm. So there actually is method in that. I mean, just tell us more about that. You've, you've had a conversation and touched on the fact that um, uh, handwriting specifically is so key and so central. I'm going a little bit, I'm veering a little bit away from uh, doodling or maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's so central and so important in our, you know, our ability to recall facts and to remember facts and to memorize facts when you read something and then write it down in your own writing, whether it's your shorthand, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it all contributes towards that recall. I was talking to... Um, I, I was talking to a therapist um, uh, this week who was saying the same thing but also saying that when it comes to that ability to recall or how writing uh, handwriting reinforces memory and recall uh, cursive is also said to be better at that than print as well what is going on with the cursive writing that aids in memory recall as well as this creativity that you're talking about Nikki? So cursive is a linking activity. You can see how there's fluidity and it links the separate letters just like it can link ideas. And we have to always remember top of mind that children are multi-sensory learners. Human beings are multi-sensory learners. And the more senses you use in a learning activity, the more memorable it will be. And that's why we have such a problem in classrooms today, particularly in high school and I've heard this over and over again during the pandemic how um, high school teachers have been presenting online using PowerPoint Mm -hmm. and then they send the kids the PowerPoint slides and this happens in university too I remember my eldest son saying you know the first year of varsity had lecturers who would say don't don't worry about taking notes I'll send you the slides and he said his recall went down the toilet Mm -hmm. Because when you're transferring what you hear in, in a lecture or in a lesson into your own notes, you're actually going through multiple stages of processing and understanding what you just heard in order to produce the written version of it. Mm. When you're not taking your own notes, you're not actually processing on that deep level. Mm. So this way of connecting fact memory or committing fact to memory by writing it is also sense making so it's your understanding of what you just heard experienced or learned and that then uh, taps into the process of shifting information into your working memory and then into your long-term memory so it's a process just because you heard something or saw something does not mean it goes into your memory bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so key to remember. And it really just is absolutely fascinating to understand how we learn. I think for the longest time, uh, cursive was the bane of a person's existence <laughs> and having yep. to write exams and papers and cursive and, yes. you know, sitting there with that big bump on your, um, <laughs> on your middle finger from all the writing and the indentation <laughs> from the pen. I remember it well, but you get a, a very, uh, a, a different, uh, appreciation and understanding uh, of it in retrospect. We need to actually look at something here and bring bring it to the table. In many schools today, because of expediency, Mm. they are cutting out 
cursive yes. handwriting. Yeah. And they're allowing children to choose at around age nine or ten whether they want to write cursive mm. or whether they want to print. That's quite early. That's grade three and grade, uh, grade three and grade four. It's very early. It's far too early. Mm. It's far too early. Um, and in fact, what I find very, very interesting is that companies like Microsoft are running workshops for teachers about the value of cursive handwriting. Sure. They've done the research. They know that if we want kids with, with great creativity, you can link things together, ideas, association, etc. that they actually need the opportunity to do cursive handwriting, to learn cursive handwriting and do it for a long time. I know it's irritating for some children, mm-hmm. but I think we are underestimating the benefits of some of these things. It's a little bit like when teachers say, um, you know, if your child is not interested in reading or battling to read, let them read anything, mm. even if it's a fishing or a sports illustrated magazine. And from my experience, the answer is no. Really? No, because those magazines don't contain the same descriptive language mm-hmm. that books do, and that stories do. So, once again, how broad do you want a child's usage of language to be? Yeah. They can't just read things that are, fu- that are functional and interesting to them. Learning, learning can be hard because sometimes you've got to push through and do the hard stuff, the sure. stuff we don't like doing. You sure. know, and that's part of resilience and part of being able to push yourself. But talking of pushing yourself, which is an emotional issue, <laughs> yeah. um, let's not forget the power of scribbling for de-stressing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I might interrupt you at this point and just take a quick call, not a quick call, or quickly go to the phone lines uh, with Alison and Four is, you know, to add to um, the matter of writing uh, that we were just unpacking. And then, of course, we'll get back to the theme of this conversation, which is, of course, scribbling and doodling for children. Alison and Fourways, thanks uh, for calling in. Good morning. Welcome to Weekend Breakfast. Thank you. Thank you for your way. This is actually for Nikki. I teach. Sure. And I find that with the transition from handwriting, so taking notes in class, to the kids writing on their tablets, their iPads or whatever, I wondered whether they retain as much mm-hmm. by that sort of handwriting. Sorry, Alison, we lost you. you. You said you wondered if they retain as much by that sort of, and then we lost you. Can you uh, go okay, back to that right. again? Do they retain as much by typing into or going into taking the notes down on their iPads or so mechanically? Mm-hmm. Um, or as, as they do with actually handwriting the notes. In other words, is there a difference between them actually physically taking down notes and truncating or abbreviating and doing it on the iPad, so sure. on a keyboard? Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely question, actually. Yeah, it is a great question. And yes, there is a difference. Because when you're doing handwriting on paper versus perhaps handwriting on a screen, the screen is very smooth. Um, and so, yes, you can use a stylus and you can write on a screen. When you write on paper, there's friction, which sends a lot more um, deep messaging to the muscles and the joints, which feed into the brain. And here's another thing that parents can do. Um, scribbling, drawing, painting on a slanted surface or a vertical wall or a board up against gravity 
forces a child to work harder, which sends even stronger signals from the muscles and joints to the brain. Mm-hmm. So that's a little trick that therapists use uh, when helping children to build strong neurological pathways and memory cells. And then don't forget the, um, you know, typing is not the same as linking letters. Sure. But... But, and here's a big but, if, if, if I um, had to do raising my children all over again, I wish schools in high school would offer touch typing as, a, as an actual subject because touch typing, where you don't have to look at the screen and you can use all 10 fingers to type, is a completely different exercise in developing the brain. Like handwriting and all these scribbles, it also showcases the absolute brilliance of how the brain-body connection works. And I think everybody should have the privilege of learning how to touch type. I can type as fast as my brain thinks, which is why I can write books in just a few weeks. (laughs) <laughs> Look at you, Nikki Bush. Let me, I'll tell you what, uh, we used to, uh, we used to groan and roll our eyes at, uh, Epworth Girls in Maritzburg, the boarding school that I went to, because we had to do typing and we thought, well, what are they, you know, we're not trying to be somebody's secretary and PA <laughs> yes. when we leave high school. And, but then, of course, uh, yeah, when you realize the benefits of touch typing, right? Exactly. As you've just pointed out in your own. Yeah. But I mean, it's so much more, it's so much more relevant in, this you know in in the times we live in um but yeah absolutely exactly exactly (laughs) all right um fantastic nikki just some ideas on how to scribble together with your child because i'm guessing there's also a case to be made for scribbling and doodling even as an adult but uh parents what can you do to encourage it okay so for adults for teens for children if somebody is frustrated and going mad, you know, really freaking out, give them a big piece of paper and let them scribble like crazy to get all those cold prickies out. It seems to unlock the brain in a similar way to having a good primal scream or punching a pillow to relieve frustration. And um, the other thing, of course, is to play with Play-Doh or kinetic sand, which we're going to get into right now. Um, So so that's the, the, the stress relief, doodling for stress relief. But then the other thing you can do if you want to scribble together is link arms with your child so sit depending on whether they whether you've got a left hander or a right hander and what your dominance is um, you'll have to work this out for yourself in my family we're all right-handed so i would sit opposite my child with a piece of paper in front between us Mm. and we would link arms and we would scribble on different parts of the same page yeah. Great yeah. fun. Quite quite awkward fun, put it that way. <laughs> fun nonetheless, yeah. The thing to do is look at your scribbles and see if you can find pictures in your scribbles. Like, oh look, there's a fish and then you take a thick black cokey and you outline the pictures within the scribbles mm-hmm. and then you colour them in. So there's a work of art there in progress as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of that uh, kinetic sand which you mentioned, Nikki, uh, toy makers wouldn't be toy makers if they didn't uh, elevate the toy game. First we had kinetic yeah. sand, but now today's one is kinetic sand sense. There's always yeah. a new addition. Tell us about it. Always. Well, I'm sitting here with a tray of kinetic sand which in four different scents 
Um, and kinetic sand, for those people who don't know what it is, it can be squished, squashed, squeezed, molded, cut, and dripped. And that's what I'm doing right now is I'm literally dripping it. It almost pulls out of my hand like water. It's like Play-Doh, um, but it isn't. And it provides an amazing sensory experience that stimulates and soothes the sensory system, as well as exercising and developing fine motor skills and creativity. It never dries out. Mm. It is dust and allergen-free, antimicrobial, gluten-free, and doesn't stick to your hands. The ultimate fascination toy. But now we have different colors with different scents. So what I'm playing with at the moment is red and it's cherry fizz. It smells just like, um, you know, those fizz pops. Yeah, exactly. Then there's green sour apple. Mm-hmm. There's white vanilla cupcake and there's brown chocolate swirl, which if I didn't know better and I was just smelling it, I would have thought I had opened my hot chocolate tin um, <laughs> because it smells just like that. And then, of course, you can mix to create new colors and scents. Um, so you can, cre- and it's such a, uh, it, it's a kapow sensory experience because they really have such a strong smell. Mm. So, this is kind of putting me into a zen state right now. It's very satisfying. And, of course, if you're very stressed, you could, you could squeeze this into a ball, put it on your, your table, and then you could take your fist and you could bash it down. Um, so the approximate price is about 189 rand per packet, and you will find Kinetic Sand scents at Toys R Us, Toy Kingdom, Hamley's, um, Toy Zone, Take a Lot, and another online retailer, The Kids Zone. So I highly recommend this yeah. for every family. Have a doodle tray, a stress-busting tray on your kitchen counter. Anybody who walks past can play with it. And we've got exams coming up. Yeah. So all those matriculants doing exams, they need some of this too. Very, very necessary. And you've just mentioned that, uh, Nikki, have a stress-busting tray. There needs to be a tray because you don't want this in your carpet. Other than that, <laughs> the kids love it. And <laughs> so will you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nikki Bush. Looking forward to our conversation next uh, Saturday. And, of course, you can check all of this out on NikkiBush.com.